Well, greetings, everyone, all of you in recovery, all of you who are advocates of, and perhaps some of you who, who should be. This is the Monty Man here at Take 12 Recovery Radio, opening this week's show a little differently than usual. You know, there are two realms that we all live in, the real and the ideal. The ideal would suggest that as we work our recovery programs, apply and implement the spiritual tools we have been blessed with, that we would never again encounter relapse, that our lives would become manageable, and we would live happy, joyous, and free. Well, then there is the real, the reality of life, and all of its speed bumps. And sometimes, regardless of how prepared we are or we think we are for them, occasionally they catch us off guard and we lose our emotional center of gravity. We may trip and scrape our knee, or we may spin out of control and find ourselves at that place of incomprehensible demoralization. Well, the truth is, relapse is never a part of recovery until it happens. On this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, we will be addressing the reality of relapse and the recovery that comes from a relapse, the pain, the embarrassment, and the victory. In God's world, there are no wasted experiences, no useless timelines, and no condemnation for those who honestly seek him. The views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Well, greetings one and all. Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Denver's here. Howdy. Marv. Hey. Margie. Morning. And Dave. I'm snazzy as a Cadillac. I'm up. So grab your cup and let's have coffee. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Oh, yeah. Make that coffee black. Bringing back an old theme song from um, the show that we did for years, Coffee with the Coffees, with uh, Wade Coffee, Sheree Coffee. Let's see. Uh, Ed Dahl was on the show back then. Um, and I thought we'd just mix it up and bring that back. We've played it a couple times before. Right, Marv? Yep. It's kind of yeah. zippy. Yeah. A little zippity doodah. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we are going to be talking about the reality of relapse on uh, on this week's show. This is not always a comfortable topic. True. True. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, but it is it is a, a reality. And like like I said at the intro, uh, relapse isn't a part of recovery until it happens. And then it can be. Uh, it just depends on what we do with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, oh, we got a flashing light. Mm. I mean, somebody's calling somebody, in. Somebody's calling already. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> Some Somebody is at the door. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Okay, uh, stop right there, everybody. All right. It's time, that, that magical time when Monty whines on his weekly wine where he whines about something yes. that he's totally powerless over. A one and a two and a... People, places, and okay, things. Here we go. And he goes on. And Monty Man goes on and on and on. He is a whiner, <laughs> my friends. Don't you know it? Yes, he is. And uh, he'll keep on whining and it never ends. No, it doesn't. Monty's a whiner. Monty's wow. a whiner. 
There's no time for the rest of the show. Because <laughs> he just likes to whine and go and go and go. All right, money man, let's hear you whine. Go ahead. Can hear the ambulance now. Oh, wow. boy. You wow. just never know what's coming down the road. You just you just never do. Well, I got to tell you, we, we went to, uh, Marsh and I went to the coast. Uh, what is this? Is this Monday? I've totally lost my sense of direction. <laughs> yes, it's Monday show. Uh, um, uh, we went to the coast on Saturday, and we, and we took Nala, the studio pup, with us. She's never been. And uh, she was tripping. She thought it was quite quite exciting. Um, but one of Marsh's favorite frozen concoctions or whatever that she likes, um, I'm not real fond of, but she likes, is the peanut buster parfait at Dairy Queen. Yum. Now, before I tell you about our little experience with that, I have to tell you that at the Albany Dairy Queen several years ago, we ordered a chocolate cone. And they told us they didn't serve <laughs> chocolate because chocolate ice cream weighed more than vanilla ice cream and their floor couldn't handle the weight. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Dead serious. Yes. Um, Did you already whine about this once? I probably, I may have, but this is kind of a segue <laughs> In into our experience at the coast, so so it, here we are. We order. Uh, she ordered a peanut buster parfait, and I ordered a large chocolate sundae. Now my chocolate sundae, was which he- cost heavy. twice as much, was twice as small, and it was the exact same thing just without peanuts. Right. <laughs> so, but anyway, but anyway, but this is really about the peanut buster parfait. Now, on the website, it says on Dairy Queen's website, our peanut buster parfait, peanut buster now, That's right, true. has loads of peanuts, mounds of creamy, smooth Dairy Queen vanilla soft serve, and tons of rich hot fudge layered high for one tempting treat. So so so, pay attention to the words, no right? Terms of measurement: loads, mounds, tons, layered high. Okay, so I decided after we got ten, count them ten little itty bitty peanuts on her peanut buster parfait to make a phone call. So I oh, called Terry Queen customer mm. service. <laughs> and spoke to a very nice lady, Frala, and uh, here is that discussion. Good morning. Thank you for calling International Dairy Queen Friend Relations. This is Frala speaking. How may I assist you? Yes. On your website, it states our peanut buster parfait has loads of peanuts, mounds of creamy, smooth Dairy Queen, vanilla soft serve, and tons of rich hot fudge layered high. Um, what I'm finding is that most Dairy Queens, there's probably not more than 10 peanuts in the peanut buster parfait. And I was wondering if you could address why there's so little peanuts in a parfait that it says is loaded with peanuts. Mm. Well, it should be loaded with peanuts. Uh, if that's not what you're getting, then we have to uh, create a report for you and send it to a leadership team for them to see exactly what is the, what that store is doing so they can rectify that matter. Uh, is it possible for me to have the address of the restaurant where you made the purchase from, sir? I don't know the address. It's the Dairy Queen in Albany, Oregon. Also, the Dairy Queen in Lincoln City, Oregon. So the one in Albany, Oregon is the one by Pacific Boulevard, Southeast. Yes. And what is the second store? Uh, Lincoln City, Oregon. So this is the one by Northeast Highway One Zero One. Yes. Yeah, because I noticed that the picture, the pictures on the website shows layers of peanuts. We just get a few peanuts on the top, so that doesn't seem correct, does it? Oh no! Well, it's supposed to have a lot of pictures. You should, I mean, a lot of peanuts. It should resemble uh, the picture itself uh, that you're seeing online. And if that is not so, we have to create a report and uh, have this matter taken care of. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. You're very welcome. 
Does, does, so, does Marsha know you made that phone call? Huh? Does Marsha know you made that phone call? She does now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that, that means I mean, should we like complain to every restaurant on the planet? No kidding. Because none of their food looks like how it looks on the <laughs> oh yeah on the picture. Them, them, burger, them right? burgers are squashed when you get them. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. That. Did I tell you? I'll let you finish. Well, I'm just going to say, Frollo was very nice, and she went on to get my personal information. Uh, and we'll keep you, listeners, we'll keep you up to date on the peanut buster um, parfait uh, debacle and, and let you know what happens. Wow. Maybe we'll get a, a bag of peanuts in the mail. I, I, I don't know. Um, I know the last time that I made a complaint about Applebee's, we got a $100 gift certificate. So it pays to complain. It pays to whine. Wow. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I'm eating free for a while. Your days off. You're yeah. Doing that. Yeah. So what were you gonna say, Dave? Uh, there's a, a a burger joint. Um, for some reason, my brain. I'm out of brain fart. Uh, not burger. What's the uh, What's the other burger joint? It's usually always got a big long line out. Burgerville? Oh, Burgerville. Burgerville. Yeah. So there's a Burgerville in Corvallis. Yeah. And the reason why I thought about this again is because they recently have these uh, Mary and Berry oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, do. milkshakes yes. that, are, that we, my wife likes. It. She's, that's her new thing. And they're, they're like the bomb. Anyway, I was really leery about going there again because the last time I was there, yeah, this is probably, I don't know, a year ago, you know, my wife's doing the gluten-free thing. Right. So I was, you know, trying to support her in that, and I ordered a burger, and I looked at, I saw on their menu that they have gluten-free buns. So I thought, okay, I'll get a burger with the gluten-free bun. Yeah. Right? And how did that taste? So we get home, <laughs> right? I get home with the order and open up the box, and I'm just in shock. Right. And for... 30 seconds and I go, Hey, you know, look at this to my wife. And it's basically what they did is they took the innards out of the burger yeah, and put that in a box with no bun. Well, it's gluten free. <laughs> Carb free, calorie free. Oh my goodness. So my wife went back and, uh, you know, she said, Hey, what's, what's the deal here? And they, they ended up giving us a, a bunch of you know gift cards. Yeah. But, yeah. It was like, seriously? Who was man in the kitchen and thought gluten-free meant, meant no, no bun at no all? No bread. Well, <laughs> and, you know, and the thing with the it, this has been going on with, with Dairy Queen for a long time. I just decided to make note of it. Um, yeah, 10 Little Peanuts. And if you look at the pictures, the different pictures, there's literally layers upon layers right, of right, peanuts right. in the peanut butter parfait. Um mm. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you have a complaint for Dairy Queen, their their uh, customer care number is one eight six six seven nine three seven five eight two. And that rolls over to the London branch. That's what it sounded like, right? In their defense, I swung in there the other day and got their uh, drumstick blizzard. Their De drumstick blizzard? Yes. Delicious. Really? Yeah. Did just, they hold it upside down for you before they gave it, it to you? It was just, I don't know, it's a, a bunch of ground up drumstick in a blizzard. And it was good. Okay. Yeah. So, Dairy Queen, I still love you, but <laughs> I may call that hotline just to get a meal or two. I don't know yet. <laughs> See, so when you're so, powerless over something, whine about it. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, do it legitimately. Yeah, right. We're supposed to run an honest program. Uh, yeah, well, that was a legitimate complaint. Ten peanut butters in a... You know, it wouldn't be so bad if they didn't use words like buster, loads, mounds, layered, tons. You know, come on. Yeah. Uh, other than that. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get on this topic, the reality of relapse. So don't go away. We'll be right back. It's the Monty Man, and we know that there are many online support meetings for us all to attend during the COVID pandemic. Well, I'm inviting you to join me every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time 
for Emotional Sobriety Anonymous, an incredibly positive online meeting featuring many of our past guests from right here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. To find out how you can be a part of this powerful meeting, visit our website at Take12Radio.com. Look for the banner with the Zoom link, meeting ID, and password. That's every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Emotional Sobriety Anonymous. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio, and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. This is Tony Morosi from the recovery band Self-Esteem, and we're listening to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show with the Monty Man on KHLT Broadcasting. All right, welcome back to the show. The topic this week, the reality of relapse. <clears throat> now, we, we live in a world uh, in our recovery communities where uh, this word relapse is, is, well, it's a topic and an issue and, and a word we hear a lot. Um, it is not uncommon for people uh, to come into a 12-step support setting or any recovery setting for that matter, uh, treatment center, residential, outpatient, that kind of thing. Um, and in sometimes early recovery, sometimes what I would call mid, like after your first year, sometimes in the third year, uh, and sometimes even people that would be considered old timers will experience a relapse. There can be a number of reasons for that. Um, we're going to be hearing a sound clip later on, uh, right before we close out the show from Dr. Rob Kelly, who's going to be a guest on our show, not, not next Monday, but the following Monday. Um, we're going to talk about him a little later on here. Um, but it hits close to home when somebody you love dearly and somebody who's close, uh, to you, uh, experiences a, a relapse. And so she's being very brave. To, to come on the show, uh, one of our co-hosts, Margie, did experience a relapse, was it last week? Last weekend. La last week. And I and she asked me if we still wanted her to be on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's a difference between, you know, you, you fall off the emotional balancing beam and you experience a relapse versus somebody that's going back into a lifestyle of drinking and using and says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do whatever I want. There's a big difference between that. Um, or somebody that's caught up in it and they just can't, for whatever reason, stop and they need to take care of themselves and step down for a while. Denver, you experienced that. Yes, sir. Um, with us, you had to kind of go on a sabbatical for a short time a bit. from the show to, so you could take care of you. Correct. Right. So you could kind of identify with Margie here. Oh, most certainly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a part of my program. Like you said, it's not part of recovery, but it has become part Until of recovery. Until it happens. Yeah. 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 And once it happens, then it can be incorporated in, into your recovery. So, Margie, I'm going to kind of let you explain kind of what happened and how you're doing and what are you doing now. Okay. So what was going on? Uh, well, Monty, I'm really still kind of searching for answers to that. But, sure. Um, you know, I had a good solid year and a half sobriety. I've been in and out for years and years, but this was a really good solid year and a half sobriety. And um, everything in my life really was going great. I, no complaints, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had these a couple really amazing financial blessings and um, you know, I just became a grandma and, uh, right. I think my relationships are awesome and I, I was just really happy in my life. And, um, and I had a sponsor and I was working with her going to some meetings, even in-person meetings at, at that point in time. But 
I honestly can't say, I can't tell you like one exact reason of why, but for whatever reason, um, last weekend, I just decided that I wanted to drink vodka. And I had been having an ongoing, because I have, I have like a, a history of a stomach ulcer from a previous years ago relapse, and mm-hmm. um, my stomach had been bothering me, and I just stopped at a liquor store and got vodka, and honest to goodness, I don't remember a lot of details from that point in time, but yeah. I just, um, I was extremely um, demoralized by the whole um, event, very disappointed in myself, um, very just very upset, just felt, you know, had a ton of bad, bad feelings about it. But, um, you know, I got right back on the horse, so to say, because yeah. I reached out to my sponsor right away and, um, you know, she immediately came to, to see me and spend time with me and we developed a plan and um, I realized that I need to, um, you know, um, I don't know, reach out more to the, some of the women in my um, program. And there are a couple of thoughts I do have about why this may have happened. And it's kind of like uh, I'm, I'm taking a look at my, my history over the years and years of, of battling alcoholism. And one of the big reasons, I think, maybe my fear of success or self-sabotage, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But, you know, I've, I've had, I'm retired now, but I had a, a really, a career, a good, good career over the years um, as a, basically as a analyst. And um, I can see now in, in uh, looking back that, you know, my career would be going really well. My family life, like good, kids are good, everything's good. And then I would, um, I would screw it up by like drinking too much and, um, I can see that happening. That's happened many times in my life. And um, so I'm just, that's something I'm exploring. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, why do I have this, you know, fear of success? Um, why do I self-sabotage? So I have a lot of self-exploration I need to do in the days to come. But right now, um, I'm just making sure I get to a couple, you know, AA meetings a day. And if, if I can't do it in person, then I do it through Zoom and <clears throat> I'm really not a big fan of Zoom, but I'll do what I have to sure. do to stay do sober. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm, and God is, is uh, I'm very close to Jesus, and God is my higher power in my program, and um, I'm going to lean into him even more mm. because I do have faith, and I do trust him. It's hard because sure. at first, after it happened, I just wanted to say, you know, God, why are you doing this to me? Everything in my life is good. Why are you screwing it up? Well, he never did screw it up. <laughs> I just turned right. away. And uh, so, you know, I'm working <clears throat> on my thought processing. And um, um, ah, this last week has been um, good and but really, really difficult because I've, I've, got, I've talked to so many people and I've got a lot of input, a lot of things going through my head to process. And um, I just know that... Um, I have to put, you know, Jesus first in my recovery and work it as best I can and really, you know, devote myself to it. I think I got a little um, complacent because everything in my life was going so well, but I can't do that. I, you know, I managed to make it through the death of my husband a couple years ago and didn't drink and I only had a couple months sobriety. And Did, did that surprise you? That I didn't drink then? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I did. Because I actually, I wanted to drink, but... yeah. You know, I just kept trudging into AA and talking to people, and I, I, I passed, and I didn't drink. And um, but then, yet out of the blue, you know, my life is so it's so perfect, and and this happened. So I'm just so grateful to God that um, He helped me, mm-hmm. however He did, because I know He is the you know the King of the impossible. But to get up and stop drinking. Which this is probably the sh- one of the shortest relapses ever I've ever had, so I mm-hmm. look at that as a good sign. And and he allowed me to live, and to have you know yet another yeah. chance. And um, you know, all glory go to God for that, as he um, he was there, and um, all the 
different people I've talked to with much, much uh, sobriety that have shared with me and supported me and given me guidance and love and support. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, been a tough week because you know i'm having to talk about myself a lot and i really don't like to yeah, do that yeah but um i guess it's what i need to do right now and um it, i i feel you know physically and emotionally so much better now and um i don't know it's just um i guess maybe a little bit down the road i'll look at it as a a blessing because you mm-hmm. know nothing in god's world happens by mistake right and um you know, maybe there's somebody out there listening who um, I can help. Maybe you're you're on the verge of drinking because you think everything is so great in your world that, you know, nothing can screw it up. Maybe I can help that person. Uh, but if I can just help one person by sharing this, then, you know, it's, yeah. it's worth it. So, so it's interesting because I've heard people say kind of tongue-in-cheek, well... If it's raining and cloudy out, I'll drink. If the sun's out, I'll drink. Right? right. So, like in your case, it wasn't things were bad. No, they were great. And, and does this seem to be this? You kind of alluded to this kind of a pattern that you might self sabotage. You may have yes. a fear of success. And you know, what do you think it is about success that scares you? Well, you know, I can't. I don't know if I can put my finger exactly on it, but it may be um, history. Years ago, when I was a little girl, between like. Um, I don't know, six and eight of abuse. Mm-hmm. That it left me feeling unworthy mm-hmm. or that I didn't deserve to have a happy, successful, good life. Right. I don't know. You know, I need to explore that even more. But it, it is definitely a pattern that I've went through my entire life. So so let, let's look at some of, some of the things that may have led up to this as far as uh, in your spiritual toolbox. Okay. So let me ask you. Had you, and here's the key phrase, because this is what a lot of people say, I don't know how true it is, had you stopped going to meetings? No, I just had actually reduced the amount of meetings. Okay, so you had cut back on your meeting mm-hmm. attendance. Okay, drastically? No, I was actually even still chairing a meeting. Okay, so you were still in service, you were still going yes. to meetings, how often? Oh my gosh, probably four times a week. Okay. So you were going, you were, you, you, your meeting attendance was healthy. You were in service. Um, had you, okay, so, so that part, and, I, and people know me by now, not going to meetings. I'm sorry, relapse happens way before you stop going to meetings. Right. Meetings aren't what keep you sober anyway, but um, are they a piece of the recovery pie? Sure. Um but that part, that hole's plugged here. So you were doing that. Um, were you meeting with your sponsor on a regular basis? Um, pretty regular, yeah. Every um, couple weeks at least. Okay. Not and- uh, abs- Actually not as regular because of the virus. And um, she um, she takes extremely seriously the virus. And um, okay. so she didn't want to have, you know, contact. So we would talk over the phone or text, that type of thing. Did you did you up your phone accountability because you couldn't see her as often? Uh, so it balanced out? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, that could that could be a piece, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um had you been formally working doing any step work? Yes. Actually I in fact just recently I spent a lot of time on my on step nine on amends. Mm-hmm. And I was making a lot of progress on that. You know, one of the things I'm thinking just off the top of my head that's kind of popped in my head is you know, this fear of success thing. Well, just recently, a couple big things happened to me that were successful. Uh, you know, I was um, won my disability case and got a big increase in my Social Security and some back pay. Mm. And, then, and then out of the blue, this, I've never heard of this happening before. Uh, I worked for the state and I retired a couple of years ago. But I found out that... Um, they underpaid me for 10 years. Wow. And so, so I have, like in a couple months, I have this very large um, back pay, retro pay, they call it, coming to me. You haven't got it yet. No. Uh-huh. But I don't know if my brain, you know. Is, That's very interesting. Has yeah. uh, kind of, that kind of freaked me out and made me, kind of scared me to the point of, of 
relapse or not, but could be. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some major changes going on, right? Yeah. Um. So on the day this happened, was there any conscious warning? No, I just know that I had been fighting us. You know, my stomach had been really bothering me lately, and mm-hmm. it just seemed like a good idea, which it was not, obviously. Right. But it just shows me and hopefully other people out there that in just an instant, you know, just like that, you can you can pick up if you're just not extremely, extremely careful about everything. Did you Do you think you had experienced what the big book says or calls that strange mental blank spot? That could be, yeah. Where you cannot explain it, but your car is turning into the liquor store. Yeah, I, kind yeah of thing. that sounds sounds about <laughs> right. Not not to sound like we're we're making excuses or blaming that, yeah. but but you know what I'm talking about, right, Dave? Yeah, I've had that happen to me. Yeah, after having a, a brain hemorrhage and not drinking for a whole month. Yeah, and not even thinking about it, not being you know having any impulse to drink or withdrawals or anything like that um i was kind of under quarantine you might say as uh-huh. a, a, a comparative word uh and this is when my wife me and my wife were separated for for a short period of time and um so i was staying at at uh at our house where she was staying um for so she could keep an eye on me right because mm-hmm. Anybody that knows about that or experienced any of that, it can throw you throw you off. Um, anyway, as I left, uh, <laughs> there's a liquor store on the way, and I just pulled in, got a bottle, and went home like it was. I didn't skip a beat from just like going in and getting some ice cream from any other right. day before that. Yeah, know? it was. And I interesting. Yeah, it just totally blew me away that you know I, that that happened and it wasn't like any big deal and without thinking it wasn't like I was sitting there for the whole month thinking you know I got a drink I got a drink I can't mm-hmm. wait to drink you know it was just like wasn't like that it was nothing yeah. I'd never even thought about it the whole time and this was you too yeah right? I, no, I had no interest no thoughts about right. that at all Marv yes sir how are you weathering this because it's no secret you guys are pretty close Right, yeah. So you're the you're the innocent bystander, so to speak. And all of a sudden, what'd you do? Get a call? What what happened? Um. Well, um. I came home. She was at the house at the time, mm-hmm. and she was drunk. Mm. Just that simple. And it just blew me away. You were shocked? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, were, were you mad? I was a little of everything. I was... <laughs> Marjo, yeah, he was a little... <laughs> I yeah. was angry. Mm-hmm. I was baffled. Mm-hmm. I was feeling like, uh, kind of like I was stepping into insanity, mm. you know, and, and like a whole other world, kind of. Yeah, you're in this yeah. reality of a well, science fiction novel, you know. <laughs> so I've been sober for thirty four years. Right. I haven't had to deal with a wet drunk. <laughs> since you know probably 20 years ago mm-hmm. we used to off and on so uh, if anybody can grasp this it's like um, um, I really had to think about what it was I was going to do I, I did I was emotional and upset but at the same time, I had enough sense to know not to react on those emotions. Yeah. And um, and I don't feel like I did, maybe a little. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but um, I immediately, in my mind, right or wrong, um, made the decision that uh, uh, my part in this thing is to uh, try to get her head in the right direction. And probably uh, the first thing I started talking about with her is getting a hold of your sponsor. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it as being in the inner circle, uh, it was very, very uncomfortable place to be for a short time. And, and I am thankful to God because so much has changed about how I would normally react to, you know, get mm-hmm. your ass out of here. I've had enough of your crap and blah, 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 all that stuff right. that, that we do. And I didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't pretty, but at the same time, it wasn't destructive. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about the way he was feeling? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I i mean, in my, even in my, I guess I, oh my God, I was scared to death. Yeah. And uh, I uh, really appreciated him being there for me and his support and um i understood why he'd be extremely upset yeah on uh, a number for a number of reasons and uh so you know i i totally understood him being upset but i was extremely grateful for his support i find it uh interesting you know hearing that you know another piece of the the puzzle so to speak because i think in some subconsciously you probably knew that he was going to you know uh, be there to pull you out of it so to speak you know what I mean rather than being off you know on your own you're hiding in the cave you know and no one's going to miss me for a few days or a week you probably knew in your gut that he wasn't going to run away well (laughs) it wasn't going to let you keep drinking you know if if yeah, I, I knew I knew enough to know that there would be no continued drinking, and that yeah. I needed. Yeah, you wasn't going to co-sign your stuff. No, I, 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 know, I know that about Mark. I know there would be no <laughs> co-signing of my stuff. Absolutely, and I knew that I made a huge mistake when I kind of, you know, sobered mm-hmm. up a little bit. Yeah, and um, yeah, I knew that I messed up bad. So, 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 let me let me address the the. Um, the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. Okay, so so the obsession of the mind is gone at this point because you've drank. So there's no more obsession. You've fulfilled that. Now the phenomenon of craving takes over, right? So you you continued to drink it for quite a while that day? Or, I mean, how much did you drink? I think just a couple of days. And, and my memory is foggy. So it was a couple of days of, of continuous I drinking? I think just maybe... During the weekend, okay, and then I slowly <laughs> sobered up because I um I don't know I was pretty um you know alcohol has a really bad effect on me now yeah and um affects my memory and my me physically and do you think you continue to drink because of the shame uh kind of like what the heck anyway and. Maybe for a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, it came a point where, um, and it was, it came upon, came upon me pretty soon. Yeah. I knew, I knew that I couldn't continue as hard as it was, as painful as it was. And, um, I just had to sober up. I mean, there's no way getting around it. It's sure. very uncomfortable and miserable. Yeah. Yeah. What'd your sponsor say? Uh, well, <laughs> she, <laughs> She came out and spent a lot of time with me, and she's why didn't I call her? Well, I don't know. Yeah, we always there's say a, that to our sponsors. A lot why didn't you call me? I, I don't right? have the answer to a lot of things, call first. you know. Yeah, yeah, that call first thing always cracks me up. Espe- yeah. I mean, especially if I, if it was premeditated and I've decided to, I'm probably not calling you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just happened so fast, and yeah. there was no uh, yeah. thing in my brain that said, oh, call your sponsor. But no, she she was really supportive and loving, and um, yeah. is working real close with me now. 
So um, came up with a little plan and um, I've been meeting with her a lot more and talking right. to her a lot more and yeah. Are you guys are you guys kind of inventorying this thing to kind of backtrack and maybe look at some of the potholes that you missed? Yeah. That kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes it's really hard. You know, I can't put my finger on a lot of stuff sure, right now. Sure, sure. Well, and if you've been drinking for a couple of days, your brain is probably, even though it's been like a week, right, almost, there's still some stuff, you know, that happens to our metabolism and yeah. to our brain chemistry. You're going to be a lot more clear-headed in a couple more weeks yeah. and, and uh, maybe be able to address some of these things. Well, we are uh, so glad you are sucking air <laughs> and yeah, that you're maybe. alive, all right? Um, me too. <laughs> let me move over to Denver because Denver, the, it wasn't that long ago that you had a bout where you you drank and then you stopped, but you really didn't get it. You really weren't practicing any kind of recovery, but then you started drinking again, and then you had to take a sabbatical from the show. Um how are you feeling? Why did you continue? Why do you think you continue to drink until you didn't? <laughs> These are tough questions. Yeah, they are. I really don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. It seems like often when I'm successful or things are going great, mm-hmm. I'm more apt to pick up a bottle then than I am when things are bet down and out. You know, I don't know why that is. And for me to try to analyze that, you know, I, I I can't. I can't give anybody a good answer as to why I would pick a bottle up because things roll so much better. I mean, it's uncomparable how much better life is when I don't drink. And I have uh, health issues now. This last bout, uh, it was during the holiday season, but I ended up in the hospital for 11 days and... Uh, Kind of uh, scared you, didn't it? Uh, oh, heck yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they gave me 11 pints of blood, and not all of that is due to drinking, but a large portion of it was. It complicated things, that's for yeah. Sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it made everything worse. So that that was an eye-opener there to get me back on track. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really have to stay plugged into God. I do. Yeah. I, I've got to... I talk with him daily, but, man, I really need to focus on that and keep good company. It's not like I go out to bars or anything else like that. I, I don't do that. I drink alone, and it's just the way Oh, I, when you drink? Yeah. 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 I, I, that's the way I roll on that. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, congratulations for getting right back. Thanks. Most certainly. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, so, Marvel, let me ask you. So, so with with all the stuff that we know and that we've learned about alcoholism and and the things that we preach, teach, and hear in our twelve step support meetings and on the big book studies and the twelve and twelve, all all the experience we have listening to all this information, still doesn't soften the blow when we turn the corner and there's our loved one in a relapse, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah, you would think no, it I, would, <clears throat> but it doesn't. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, it was an emotional storm. Yeah. And uh, like I said a few minutes ago, I, I'm so grateful that somehow or another, uh, spiritual intuition, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, mm-hmm. um, I did not react the way I would have 20 years ago. Right. Right. Um, I uh, would like to bring up one thing that, um, and this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay, so part of what Margie and I have talked about is that uh, it's true, God doesn't make any mistakes. And so what was the reason, not that God caused it for sure, but he does say in the in the Bible, he does say all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So that means to me that her experience that she went through, as terrible as it was, is going to work out for good. Amen. 
you know Amen. i agree so then the other part of it i'm going to take it just a little farther which might seem uh, abstract to people mm-hmm. at the same time the person in relapse whoever it might be and the people around them whether it's family or aa community church community whatever it might be god is working in their lives too yeah and they are watching that person and they are seeing what's going on and not everybody but some of them are saying to themselves oh wow i don't want to i don't want to do that Mm -hmm. or they're saying hey my brother does that i wonder if beings that i've listened to this and seen this if i can help him yeah it's like a atomic bomb that just keeps spreading out and mushrooming and mm-hmm. people are involved and and he's helping them at the same time and a lot of times we don't see that part of it sure yeah so god works in multiples and there's multiple things going on here yes yes you, you know um there is a very not, not that that makes it okay, but it right. hap- it happens. Right. We know it happens. Right, and so that is going to be part of the connection with that. Yeah, <clears throat> it is very likely that the amount of people that do listen to this show and download this show every week. That I mean, it, it would it would shock me if some if there wasn't at least one or two people listening. That if they themselves aren't going through this, they at least know somebody that is, and um, that this is going to benefit them. The the truth is, is their life after relapse? Yes. The truth is, is their death after relapse? Yes. You know, um, can we help raise people's bottoms? Yes. People don't have to go as far down as as we have uh, many times. Uh, but there is that spiritual toolkit, and I think you spoke to it, Marge. You, you said you got complacent. I believe I did. That's probably the biggest thing here, right, is complacency. Right. Yep. I know in the uh, basic text, and I hope I quote this right, in the basic text of Narcotics Anonymous, in, in reference to complacency, it says complacency is the enemy of those of us with substantial clean time. Well, substantial clean time can be 24 hours, right? Can be one year. Clean time's clean time, and it can be, depending on who you are, what is substantial, but it is the enemy. Complacency is the enemy. And and when we get complacent, when we rest on our laurels, when we start to pull back, usually what happens is not pleasant. And I have to wonder, I know this sounds kind of weird, but... Can something like this turn into a gift? I wonder the same thing. I think it can. I, I, I yeah. want to think it can. Yeah, yeah I do too. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it provides a golden opportunity to share with others, mm. right? Because this is part of your experience. It is now becoming part of your strength. And it certainly speaks to the hope you have in uh, strengthening your, your relationship with God and your fellows. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to just point out too that, you know, in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, you know, it says in there, it says alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and that that those are very correct words and should be taken very seriously. I mean, people need to always remember how cunning and baffling and powerful that that uh, disease is. And I don't care how long you've been sober, how great your program is, you just have to always, always, always be on guard basically yeah it doesn't mean you're looking over your shoulder every time you turn around but yeah. but it means that you're vigilant yes vigilant and not complacent and and what it continues to say it, there is without help it's too much for us right so that would suggest that mm-hmm. with help right that we can live in a state of recovered mm-hmm. but we have to yep. continually seek help and that means your sponsor is more than a phone number <laughs> <laughs> When you drive by that church, you go, that's my church, <coughs> and it's just on Easter. No, it's not. That's where you go on Easter. Uh, whatever fellowship you attend or group of people you're accountable to, that you're plugged in on some kind of regular basis, right? 
and that when something like this happens that you're able to look back and say, okay, let's inventory this thing, let's check it out, let's see where we missed the boat and some things, and then regroup, suit up, own up, move forward. Right. Got to move forward, right, Dave? That's right. <clears throat> the old saying, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. <laughs> True. Let's hope it doesn't kill us. Um, so okay, now I'm gonna now I'm now I'm now I'm gonna put the the firm hat on, Margie. There may not be a breath to take next time. That's true. Right? Yes. And we all need to remember that. Because we don't know, I mean, as we get older, it may only take one drink and our heart gives out. We we have no idea. Exactly. You know? Um Heck, sometimes I think my heart's going to give out just mm. walking to the car <laughs> on a hot day. <laughs> Go, going to Dairy Queen. You're going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> Whining. Whining to Dairy Queen. You wind yourself right to the grave, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, I remember, the. I mean, I've been in rehab six times. But the one thing I remember is at one point in time, one of the counselors said, you really never know which drink of alcohol you take will be your last. Mm. You just don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to add <clears throat> one thing real quick. Yes. I think uh, one of the things that's important for people who are involved with the person that relapses, um, <clears throat> because of my past experience uh, in life, I have had to set up some boundaries. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I look back on what happened. <clears throat> excuse me. And I realize I did exactly that. Right. I wasn't uh, mean or cruel or uh, violent, but I was able to state my case to her and say, listen, this is going to be over with if you continue I will not tolerate it. Right. So let's think about getting a hold of your sponsor. Let's do this or let's do that. And um, I'm amazed I was able to do that. That's, Are you? I am. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm normally, um, I get past a certain point and I lose my cool. Mm. And and uh, so that was all God. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was just uh, uh, his grace. Yeah. But uh, I think it's important for family and wives and husbands and whatever, you know, to set up a boundary. Oh, man. Along loving lines. Yeah. And and I had to depend on God's strength to be able to do that. Because left on my own, it would have been out. That's it. We're done. Yeah. Yeah, and she knows that. I'm not telling anything. Yeah, that. because you have you have a responsibility to your own health, your own mental well being, your own yeah, spiritual. And I, and yeah, and I and I intuitively knew that because right. I was I was turmoil in a turmoil. Boy, I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah, so yeah. I'll leave it at that. Well, and that speaks that speaks to the quality of your emotional sobriety, Marv. Is that you didn't react the way that you're kind of surprised you didn't react. Um, speaks volumes of, uh, about your own recovery program, and 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 yet, setting those boundaries is is, is an act of love. It really is. Um, I can't tell you. And Dave, Dave and, and Denver both have worked with with me um, in a residential recovery setting, and we don't we know so many parents and loved ones that are the problem more than the client. <laughs> Right, because they don't set boundaries, and they're so majorly codependent. Right, Denver? Correct. I mean, it's like you just want to you want to go. You know what? Your kid's fine. You need to be here, yeah. Um, because they're going to come home to you, and they're not going to have a chance because you won't set these loving boundaries up because you're, you. It's about you, right? I mean, we we talk about this uh, all mm. the time about. Well, I just couldn't. I couldn't bear to see them living on the street. Oh, you couldn't bear it. It's about your feelings. What about him? What about holding him or her, you know, to the feet to the fire for the sake of their life, right? So boundaries are absolutely essential. Well, I think people that have 
loved ones that are currently or have struggled with addiction, Mm -hmm. whatever addiction that may be, they need to educate themselves. That's probably the biggest thing that they can do, not only for themselves, but for their loved one, because that's probably the biggest problem that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, People that have, you know, loved ones or is there, they are always part of the problem. And it's usually, you know, certain, you know, uh, people can say like, why don't you just, yeah, why don't you just stop? Why can't you just stop? Right. What's wrong? You know, what's wrong with you? Just what, make a decision. What, stop. We'll give you a, we'll get you a job, you know, the, some families, right? you know, are able to get you know, a job, get you a job. car, department, yeah, we'll set yeah. you up and, and just you know, quit because you'll be so money, grateful. <laughs> but you haven't addressed any of the things and I don't no. know how many people that we've seen go through programs yep. that, you know, um, uh, a week later or a month later yep. or, you know, within six months, they basically relapse and die. You know, we've we've had quite a number of people that have left, you know, programs that also you hear in the news that... And you're marrying person o- Yeah. Yeah. OD. And, and some of these loved ones are like, here, fix my kid. So we, then it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's your my problem kid. because yeah. you didn't... You didn't uh, do something, right? And now they're they're gone. It's like <laughs> there there's a lot more to the issues. You know that you can't uh, coddle people. You got to like you know, um, Marv said you got to set boundaries and healthy boundaries because otherwise you're not doing them or no. yourself any any service at all. And I and I would hope too. I want to say this, make it clear that uh, she would do the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's right. my hope. That's true, huh, Margie? Yes. I, yeah. may, I yeah. may not like it and all that, <laughs> right. but, but I hope she does. Right, amen. If that, if that comes up. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to listen to uh, a sound clip by uh, a future guest. Now, this now not next Sunday, or next Monday. Next Monday uh, will be uh, entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with, there he is. Dave Fleming. Um, do you have a topic for next week, Mike? Any chance yet? I gonna get... I think, yeah, I have a, a couple, um, but I think uh, I want to continue talking about this. He's talking about relapse? Yep. And, okay. And, yeah. Okay, good deal. So next Monday, I'm next Monday's show. We're going to continue talking about the reality of relapse with Dave Fleming on, on that show. You guys are all welcome to be here, by the way. Um, and of course, listeners, we want you to tune in. And then the following Monday, um, we we are going to have Rob, Doctor Rob Kelly. He has been uh, referred to as the Gordon Ramsay of recovery. Oh. Um, the guy, I, I I I talked to his agent and said, uh, "Now this is a G-rated radio station." He goes, "I'm really glad you told me that because <laughs> he doesn't mess around." But he's great. He's he's really something else. Um, and uh, I just thought we'd give you a little promo. This is a sound clip um, of Rob on his podcast talking about relapse. Check this out. Today I want to talk about coming back after a relapse. Now, we know that relapse is not part of the solution. It's many times part of the disease. But once you get into the solution, you stand in the sunlight of the spirit, and relapse is not an option, and you should never relapse if you do your program on a daily basis. But what if you do? What if you neglect things? You hear it time and time again where people say, I stop going to meetings, I stop praying. All these things will bring on a relapse. There's no doubt about that. Our neural pathways, the self-sabotaging ones that we have in the addicted brain, alcoholic or addict, is ingrained. And what happens is it becomes our primary neural pathway to self-sabotage. Unless we feed and correct that on a daily basis, it will once again become the primary neural pathway to self-sabotage, and self-sabotage for us is to drink or use. So on a daily basis, if you stick with your stuff, there shouldn't be any relapse at all. But we get complacent, of course, because we're alcoholics and addicts. But what you've got to remember is even if you do relapse, this can be a lesson if you learn from it. If you look at why you relapsed, the precede up to the relapse, which could be up to three or four weeks before the actual pick up the drink or the drug, and monitor that, then get yourself grounded and find out or find somebody 
who deals not with the 12-step program as well, but with neural pathways and change the way we think. Back in 1939, they call it a psychic change. Today, they call it neural pathway change. It's the same thing. We need to think different. The same man will drink again. So we have to look at what we can do this time differently and come back with a vengeance. I've not known one person who has recovered from the disease of alcoholism and addiction not to have an amazing life. And this is what it's all about. If you're going to do the same old stuff with the same old $5 an hour job, driving the same old beat down car, then you're not going to get well unless you really strive for something. And it doesn't have to be money. It's something in yourself that you really want to strive for. You really want to achieve. You know, I heard a long time ago when you get up in the morning, if somebody makes the bed, you, me, anybody makes the bed, it's a good start to the day. It's one task you've already completed. And make sure you keep your daily reminders down on paper. So I have a schedule every day that I stick to. And I make sure that every single item is checked off on that list before I go to bed. Because if it isn't, there's my relapse. There's my step back away from the solution and towards the problem. So these, these daily milestones for me are very, very important. And you think positive all the time. You can't be happy 100% of the time. I, I, I definitely can't, you know. But I do have better days than others, you know. So I don't have a bad day as such. Because I'm really, really aware of A, quantum physics, B, the recovery process, and C, how we can change neuroplasticity, change the brain, change the way we think, and we will change the way we drink. End of story. You know, and there is a great life beyond alcoholism and addiction, but like anything, and we all speak about it, you've got to want it bad enough. And if you don't want it bad enough, maybe you won't recover and maybe you'll die. You know, you have to approach this like nothing else you've ever done in the world. Your job can't come first. You know, meetings can't come between you and God. You have to put perspective into practice here to make sure that you get well. Meetings cannot come between you and God. Interesting statement. That is going to be one of the things we talk about on the show week uh, Monday after next with Dr. Rob Kelly. What'd you think about what he said there, Margie? Wow, I felt like he was telling my story a little bit because uh, he was talking about self-sabotage and yeah. um, complacency. and Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I'm going to have to tune in when he, he's on your show because I could relate to everything he was saying pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you, you can just come <laughs> and be in the studio is, if you want to. live here? Yeah. Uh, no, he'll be on the phone. Okay. He'll be on the phone. Uh, but you guys are all welcome to, to join us uh, for that, uh, Dr. Rob Kelly. And uh, we're going to be talking about his podcast and um, his website. And, and also we're going to be talking about neuroplasticity um, and changing the way we think. And really, that when you when you think about it, the, the whole big book is about changing the way you think. What's your perspective on things, Right. Uh, have, the only thing you have to change is, is everything, everything. <laughs> especially your diaper once in a while. Right? <laughs> pull your my sponsor said, Monty, time to pull your diaper up, get yourself was, back into fellowship. It was interesting to me. He's talking about these neuropathic pathways, yeah, yeah. and uh, changing. And the Bible talks about be transformed by the renewing Renewing of of your your mind. mind. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, indeed, it does. That science matches perfectly with Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, it it really, really does. Margie, thank you for being so candid with us. You're welcome. And being being open, and and, uh, I know it is going to help. It is going to help other people. And, And Dairy Queen, chocolate ice cream, doesn't weigh any more than vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Put the peanuts back on your peanut buster parfait. All right. Our closing song this week is uh, <clears throat> one we played a long... We, it's been a while since we played it, but I thought it was really apropos. <clears throat> it's by uh, the late, great Conley White from his album, Just Ray. It is entitled Learning to Live Again. Here's Conley. <laughs> My name is Ray It's three weeks today 
Since I had my last drink Live and let live Let go and let God Before you give in Stop and think Everyone tells me It's gonna get better If only they'd tell me when A day at a time I'm learning to live again I had a good wife A wonderful life But the bottle took it away Now here I stand A piece of a man Searching for something to say And everyone tells me Easy does it But what do I do till then? A day at a time I'm learning to live again Learning to open up my heart And say what I feel inside Learning to laugh at the to learn to live again. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. And until our next broadcast, we are all wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Oh, yeah, make that coffee black. Kitty, kitty, kitty.